Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Did you get into voiceover because of your health? On today's show, I'm joined by voiceover pro Sean Guernsey. Sean's story of overcoming Lyme disease and changing careers to work from home as a voiceover talent is one that I've been waiting to share for a long time. And today, Sean's here. So welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first off, Sean, what is Lyme disease? Uh, Lyme disease is a bacteria that you can get from ticks. And I got it down in a paintball game down in Oklahoma back in 2012. For me, it, uh, it didn't really present like it is supposed to with the, the bullseye rash or anything. Um, I actually took the ticks off and didn't think much about it, didn't have any symptoms uh, until about two months later. And then I started feeling just kind of tired and weird, you know, like, like maybe I was coming down with a cold or something. Maybe I didn't drink enough coffee or, or something like that. And then it progressed from that to very quickly looking like I was having a stroke or I had had a stroke and the left side of my body was not functioning right. My face was drooping and my eye was drooping. My arm and my leg weren't working. And it progressed very quickly. And I can't remember, it was about a month or maybe two months of really weird, scary health issues. And the doctor's not really sure what was going on. And uh, we even tested for Lyme, but it came back negative. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the symptoms kind of disappeared. And then it was a, a while later, they all came back with a vengeance. And again, the doctors didn't know what was going on, um, but it progressed to the point where I was in a wheelchair or getting around with a cane, uh, forgetting who I was and who my family was, uh, curled up in a ball in a fetal position, lots of neurological symptoms and uh, lots of pain and and difficulties. But the, the list of symptoms is huge. So it's hard to say what Lyme disease looks like because it looks like so many different things. And it wasn't that bullseye that we're all trained to look for, right? Like, especially right. up in Canada. And I know the uh, the northern United States, there's there's more ticks normally, but obviously they're everywhere. You were in Oklahoma, you said. So uh, they were obviously there, too. So um, now you weren't always a voice talent, though. So you came into the voiceover world after you had been diagnosed with Lyme. Can you tell us a bit about what your life was like before you had Lyme, like kind of where you were at and and in the midst of that recovery, but but kind of how you landed in voiceover. I, I'm very curious about that. For sure. So I was I was working with young people. I, I worked at a youth center in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan called Joe's Place Youth Center. I was the program director and kind of just a catch-all name for, for doing everything that you can to help kids out. And uh, so I was doing that. And, you know, I had a I had a resume before that of kind of like a jack of all trades. Like I, I worked in computers, I worked in construction, I worked at a sawmill, I worked in uh, schools and different things. And so I had all of these great skills, at least that it looked pretty impressive on a resume. And, uh, and then Lyme disease really started taking that away line by line. I, I remember uh, at one point, because my arm wasn't working, I, I, I was tasked with a maintenance job at the, at the youth center. And I couldn't, I had to screw something on the wall and I actually couldn't do it because my left hand wasn't working and my right hand was. So I could use the screwdriver, but I couldn't hold the screw. And it was all of those little things that really kind of stripped my resume down to all of the things that I thought I was good at, I could no longer do. All of the things that I used to be able to do were gone. And I was in the end, I couldn't even be 
the program director at the youth center, I, I actually was unemployed. I, I, I was on disability because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't even get to work. Most days um, were spent kind of trying to survive. And uh, so in 2017, I was on disability, unemployed, and trying not to feel sorry for myself, but really looking at 2017 as like, this is probably the year I'm going to die from this. And, uh, and a good friend of mine, Jesse Adam, uh, who's a voice actor and a good, really good friend, he was like, you know what, you could do this voice stuff. And uh, so he helped set up a studio. He's like, you know, good days, bad days, whatever it looks like. If you're in a wheelchair, just wheel yourself in, sit in front of the computer. You got one hand, take as much time as you need. <laughs> you know, if your one hand is working, you can edit and you can deal with all of this stuff. Um, you know, why not just try it out? Give you something to do. And so I did. I, I started recording and made my demos and got on voices and and uh, it wasn't long before I landed my first gig. So that's how I got into it. Wow. I love how you, I think you already knew Jesse somehow, like from work maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so yeah, I yeah. think that, that's part of your story. And um, yeah, so it's just him saying, you know, Sean, it's not the end of the world. You still got one arm mm -hmm. that's moving. <laughs> you can still wheel yourself exactly. up and you have a great voice. No doubt he probably told you that you had a gift there. So um, I guess that that is just something that, that a lot of people don't necessarily think about um, if they have an illness or whatnot, it's like that voiceover or work from home, something like that is, is probably a really good fit as you're recovering or, or even as if it's, let's say, uh, something that you live with an ongoing, a chronic illness, um, then sometimes mm -hmm. just that flexibility, the ability to work from home and to do it on your own schedule means so very much. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it kind of, for me, I wasn't actually trying to work. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with chronic illness or, or facing death, you, you start kind of looking at the things that are most valuable. Things like, you know, your family, you know, and uh, even my, my boss was like, we're stealing your best days and your family is getting your worst. And so like he was encouraging me to really spend this time with my family and, and uh, with, with getting into the voices stuff, I actually, I knew that auditioning was kind of the thing, right? Like you, you got to audition lots. And uh, one of the things that I was really focusing on was my personal character, trying to, you know, if I'm going to go out of this world, I'm going to go out with the best character I can, you know, like let's, let's develop some of that legacy stuff. And right off the bat, I set a goal for myself to audition a thousand times and get rejected a thousand times and to be totally okay with rejection, you know, as, as a, as a personal thing. And, and I, yeah, I, I started doing that as kind of a goal and didn't care that I wasn't getting jobs. And then when I did get one, it was like a shock, right? Like what in the world, how did I get paid for doing this? And then, you know, landed some really big jobs. And, and now looking back, it's like, I, I, I didn't choose the voiceover life. The voiceover life chose me, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's been such an amazing trip and I, I just, I can't think of my life in any other light now. Well, I'm glad you're in voiceover. Obviously, it's a, it's a great community to be part of, um, mm -hmm. but it's also just such a fulfilling career and you're getting to do amazing work. I think it's really exciting, just the opportunities that have opened up for you, um, but also what, what your illness did teach you. So as you said, you kind of like wanted to, uh, I guess, live as best as you could every day. Mm -hmm. um, but you also wanted to apply yourself and you weren't, I don't, it sounds like you weren't afraid of failing. 
I think it's Thomas Edison that did the thousand attempts before the light bulb. I think that's the story that, and that was running in my head when I thought about, you know, what success looks like is failing a lot. And I, I think we kind of chalk success up to those like glory moments, like, oh yeah, now I've made it. Well, no, I made it when I was okay not getting it. Mm. And uh, it, it's kind of like the opposite of what our culture would say is is valuable or success or or whatever. So, so yeah, I think I think I think illness does teach that a little bit. I think it's uh, I I don't know. I think life is is one of those things that we have to kind of look at it through a different lens, recognizing that we have value that's intrinsic beyond our capabilities or what our resume looks like or or what our bankroll looks like. You know what I mean? It, it it's it's got to be something deeper. And so when we can understand that, then getting jobs is just that much more joyful. Like you. You don't need the job because <laughs> you've already got your value. You're already successful. And that's just icing on the cake. Right. Like if the birds are taken care of and none of them falls down without exactly. the note, yeah, then exactly. you're going to be okay too. So exactly. I see what you're saying. So um, all of this is so interesting to me um, because I know that there are a number of other voice talent who are listening who may have come from not the Lyme experience that you had, mm -hmm. um, but perhaps they, they have some other chronic illness or, or perhaps a, a terminal illness or, or who mm -hmm. knows, maybe it's just a come and go. It's, you know, now I don't have this and I'm, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people mm -hmm. who've, who've been in that dark place and now are out of it. But I think it's just so encouraging that, that someone can think, you know what, I have value as a person. You know, I'm not just a number. Um, you know, whenever you send something through, you're, you're giving your best effort. And whenever you audition, you're like really giving a piece of yourself, right? Like mm -hmm. to whatever it is you're doing and, and any work that you're doing. Um, it's just so, I think it, what you went through um, perhaps brought it home that much more that, you know, mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing, I am choosing to do. Everything is purposeful. There's meaning behind it. I, I want to leave some kind of an example for others to follow. Um, and I just like, you look great right now. Like, obviously you, you've been, yeah. you know, perfectly able to, to do everything you're doing. So obviously there's been some recovery here. So Sean, like, For tell sure. us about that part of your, your journey. It's interesting. It almost followed in tandem with me doing voices. Um, I like, obviously doing voiceover work didn't remove the bacteria from my body. Um, but it allowed me the space. I, I, I think, um, having having been done, I was you know doing nothing for several months um, and just trying to focus on surviving. And uh, being able to work from home was again a big part of that process of of healing. And uh, and now we've moved again. We've moved out to the country and uh, we're living closer to family, mostly because again the family value uh, is high. And uh, yeah, the the recovery process has been so cool. Like, and again, with with voices, how it how it ties the it all together, ties the story together is in having done these voices um, and done interviews with you guys before, and my story kind of blowing up. It's been all yeah. over the news, and and it's been crazy, like crazy attention. Um, it's actually allowed me to connect with a pile of people, um, whether they're you know, aspiring voice actors, or there are people that are really struggling with uh, an unknown, uh, undiagnosed illness. Um, and so for the last, like, since, well, since 2017, I've kind of been in this realm of, you know, people that are looking to, to learn. And uh, 
I, I never would have been able to put myself into that position. You know, it's not like you can go out there and look for, you know, how do I be an, uh, an influencer for Lyme disease and voices? Like you, <laughs> you can't really sign up for that, you know? Um, and yet, you know, looking back at it, the, the amount of lives that I've been able to connect with uh, because of the two worlds, it, it's been amazing. So yeah, and recovery-wise, I am doing great. Uh, you know, there's still a few things that I can recognize are, are kind of like post-illness issues um, that I deal with. But really, I mean, my I'm, I was out there chopping wood this morning for, <laughs> for our fire, right? So like I'm, I'm able to do all sorts of great stuff. And you know, I get to, I still get to do voiceovers. I get to sit in a booth and talk to myself. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And you have a marvelous booth. I must say that's some good sound absorption. It probably is quite hot in there. It, it, it gets warm. There's, there's like a baffled fan. This, this booth is another crazy story. I've got stories on top of stories, but the booth <laughs> was actually given to me. Um, I discovered my biological father in all of this process right around the same time that I started voice acting. And he just happened to have a whisper room in a garage collecting dust. And he's like, Hey, I've missed a bunch of birthdays, so here you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so now gift. I've got a professional booth, which is unreal. Nice. No, I love it. That's great. So uh, obviously you're saying you get a little bit of Lyme here and there. Maybe it hasn't completely left you. Um, it, can anyone be cured of Lyme or is it something that kind of always hangs around a bit? Yeah. So there's kind of been a lack of information in Lyme disease, uh, and they're discovering a lot more um, because it's kind of become a little bit more of a mainstream recognized problem. It's more of a more of an issue than than they recognized. That more people were dealing with it than had the bullseye rash, and uh, so the testing is starting to be questioned uh, because. Uh, about 30% of people that get Lyme disease get the bullseye. So that's like the rest of the other 70% don't get a bullseye. So if that's not the first, you know, indicator, then what is? And um, so the treatment, if, if you catch it within like the first month, is really easy to deal with. Basically, it's two, two to four weeks of antibiotics. That's it. That's all it takes. It's dealt with. If it goes beyond that, like if, if it takes a while, like in my case, it was more than four years before I actually got diagnosed. Um, then it's, it's the bacteria has the ability to change shapes and do all these different things and get into your like spinal fluid and on sitting on, on your brain and things like that. So it's a lot more difficult, if not impossible for late stage Lyme disease to be cured. So that might mean that I might have another relapse, which I've heard people have gone for, you know, like a decade and then all of a sudden it comes back like a flood. Um, and so there's, there's always this twinge of apprehension when, you know, I've got a little symptom, like maybe my shoulder, my left shoulder starts hurting or something. And I'm like, oh no, is this, is this Lyme again? Right. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'm in the clear. And and for people that are struggling with it, you know, like there's lots of support groups out there. And definitely, if anybody is curious, like they they're experiencing a long long pile of uh, symptoms and they don't have any answers, like get in touch with some of the Lyme Lyme groups that are out there and start asking questions. It's it's a good place to look because it it is escaping detection for a lot of people. So. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it, it had gone on for so long with you that it, it kind of spread its its tentacles, if you will. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, it kind of, but I've, I think um, at least in, in our neck of the woods, you know, pardon the pun about all the ticks in our neck of the woods, my goodness. Um, but, you know, like if you get a tick on you, 
Um, I think what you're supposed to do or what you can do at any rate, this is what I've heard because our dog has had ticks on it before. And anyway, right. they won't test those ticks unless you pay for it. But if it lands on a human, if it's, it's been on a human, then you can actually send that one away somehow through your healthcare provider. And they can test to see if that maybe through public health units or something, they can see if that tick was actually a deer tick with Lyme or if it was just a, you know, some other tick that is, is not as a, a detrimental because not all ticks carry Lyme. So yeah, but they're, they're actually discovering that more ticks than what they thought do carry Lyme. Oh, goodness. Um, and so that's, the, again, some of the information out there is a bit weird. Like even <laughs> up until recently, that wasn't the case that you could get them tested from you as easily as that. Um, it was actually easier to get it tested for your dog <laughs> than it was to get for you. And so so it is changing. Like I know uh, it was, again, right around the time that all of my stuff became a thing, like with voices and whatever, right? That I think it was late 2017 mm -hmm. is when it was established that they were going to set up a Center for Lyme Disease Research in oh. Ontario, I believe. And uh, and so it really kind of became mainstream and, you know, in, in everybody's uh, periphery at the same time. So again, talking about timing is, is amazing. But yeah, it definitely, you can take your tick off, put it in a bag, Try to, and and when you're removing it, if it's really embedded and you need help, like you can seek a physician, they can deal with it. Uh, but yeah, keep the tick, get it tested. You get tested. Even if there's a, a hint, I would get mm -hmm. on antibiotics. A doctor can put antibiotics. It's two weeks. It doesn't affect you like long-term, right? You're not, you're not worried about, you know, the long-term really bad side effects as you are Lyme disease. Right. You know. So you were, um, just so that everyone knows, usually they, they warn you about tall grasses and in the wooded areas and um, animals that brush themselves on and off of the, you know, limbs of lower trees or whatever uh, to be aware of that. But I guess paintball, were you kind of like in a, a like, what was that oh, area like? Definitely in the thick of it. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> it, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. But even those, those ticks there, they weren't the deer ticks. They're a smaller tick. They actually mm. were really hard to see. They were only the size of a freckle. Oh. And uh, so like really, really hard to see. So I didn't even notice I had them on until like 33 hours or whatever the trip back was. So it was a long time I had them on me. Um, but yeah, it, it's, if you get a tick, just get it checked. That's, there's the lesson. <laughs> yes, excellent advice. That's really great. And so um, another question here before we let you go, Sean, but mm -hmm. what would you say to anyone out there who's struggling with a diagnosis or a health challenge about what it takes to succeed in voiceover? Hmm. I think I, uh, two things. I would say give yourself more grace than you're giving right now because you probably need a lot more grace. And you're probably your biggest critic. So stop being so hard on yourself. Um, the second thing that I would say is don't give up so easy. Um, I think probably most people, I think, have to audition. I would say audition 100 times before they get their first job at, at minimum. And, you know, that that's all about practice. You know, practice makes perfect. Well, maybe not perfect, but practice makes better. So just keep practicing. You know, get, don't give up just because you don't see what you would decide is success. You not giving up is the success. Mm-hmm persistence, you know, to persevere, yeah. to uh, to keep going, even when you don't feel that you can. Um, I also like the, the whole idea of just keep auditioning because 
not everyone will hear back from the client. It's almost, I don't want to say it's scientifically proven that you will not hear back unless you get hired, but it's, it's pretty much that, you know, the, the reward is the job. Um, yeah. And they often won't get back in touch with you. They're not obligated to um, unless they really would like to. So uh, just remembering that in the midst of, um, you know, poor health is is tricky, right? Like it's hard for someone who isn't struggling with something but for someone who already has a lot on their plate, maybe only so much energy to expend in a day mm-hmm. um, yeah. or, you know, or whatever it might be, just a limitation. You have to think like, OK, well, how am I going to manage my time? Like, I'm sure that was something that you had to think about uh, with energy control. And that like, did you kind of meter out how much you could do every day or what did you do? It, I basically did whatever I could and then. Like when I started landing jobs, it was like, okay, let's clear the schedule. Like there's no auditioning, like all energy in on this moment. And so, so for me, it was, it was a little more like that. But again, I, my, my, I had fun during those. Those were kind of energizing moments um, in, in the process. So auditioning is great. I I have a lot of fun auditioning, especially for character roles. I love character roles. Um, but the jobs are fun. Like you get to meet new people and you get to, you know, you get to act, you get to record and you get to make money. And that's great fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, it's the whole aspect of like, if it makes you happy, you feel alive, you feel like you're doing what you were created to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in those moments, you're just like, I'm in my booth. This is the best place ever. I love the script I'm reading. I'm, I'm breathing life into this character. And yeah. what I'm doing is actually impacting and affecting other people in, um, you know, most likely a positive way, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, I think that's part of what uh, the great joy of being a voice talent is, is that you, and, and responsibility too, like just thinking back to kind of a, the Spider-Man thing, like with great power comes great responsibility. Because yes. uh, yeah. I know you're into a lot of characters. So I just put that there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, just that's really true um like all of it it feeds into like the bigger kind of like you're putting stuff out there that other people are going to engage with and will it benefit them yes or no and and will it benefit you right like so often Mm -hmm. actors like to separate themselves from the work and they think that you know it's just the work it's not me but like i think that it must affect people like what would you say yeah no it's i i put myself into the work um even just, you know, quick little taglines for ads or whatever, that's still me. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put myself into something that I disagree with fully. Um, that's, that's the way I deal with it. If I, if I see something, I'm like, no, this is not me. Then I, I can glance over it and go to the next one. It is me. Um, but it's interesting, like you say, doing the thing that I've, I've been made to do. Like, I remember when I was young, like I never would have in a million years thought about being a voice actor. Like I probably didn't even know that they existed. And as a kid, I remember getting into trouble for doing voices. <laughs> like I, I, I used to, you know, mimic the different characters that I'd see on cartoons. And, and I was always making people laugh and, and always talking when I shouldn't be talking and uh, getting put in cubicles. Like, oh, the ADHD kid, let's put him in a cubicle. <laughs> no, and maybe, no. <laughs> maybe we can contain him in there. And I'm like, you know, I was in a box kind of like what I'm in, <laughs> yeah. making voices 
to myself. <laughs> and, and now I'm, you know, looking 30 years down the road and I'm like, hmm, there was some training that happened early on, you know, like maybe, maybe this is what I'm supposed to yeah, be doing. Yeah, <laughs> I think you were prepared for it. No, yeah, that's maybe absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Sean, for sharing your story. Now, um, before you go, I would like to give you an opportunity to, to give people a way to uh, find you online and, and also how they might get a hold of you. For sure. So you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all of those. Uh, you can message me there or you can email me, gernzillacreative at gmail.com. Or you can check out my website, gernzillacreative.com. Those are all good ways. You I should be able that. to find me on one. <laughs> I love it. Gernzilla. Like that, that's, yes. that's a fun play on your, your last name. So very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you for listening, for giving of your precious time to us here at Voices. Uh, we had such a great conversation. I'm sure you agree with Sean Guernsey and his story of getting Lyme and, and recovering from it and overcoming it and doing really what he loves and, and how you can do that too. So if you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tweet it out. You can put it on your Facebook, wherever it is that you like to communicate with others. Uh, for Vox Talk, as your host, I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. The show is produced by Jeff Bremner. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.